Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome once again to Hang On Soupy, powered by Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio. I'm your host, Caleb Soupy Spinner, and today I am over the moon, absolutely excited to be talking with a good friend of mine, somebody I haven't seen in person since eighth grade, way back in the day, Malik Zaire, a former quarterback in college at Notre Dame in Florida, and now a CBS analyst. Malik, it's good to talk with you again. Man, thanks for having me, man. It's always good to meet, like, back in the blast in the past, right? Blast in the past. So thanks for having me on, man. I'll put that uh, that old photo of us from eighth grade in the Joyce Center. I remember my dad texted, and you met us outside gate one, if I do believe, closest oh, to the Oh, man, stadium. you got down to the specifics. I, like I that. remember it, man. <laughs> that, was, that was such a big moment for me. I, I, it's not something I'll forget uh, anytime soon. But, yeah, I mean – we we both look uh, a little different in that picture. I think it's fair to say. <laughs> oh yeah, we uh we look more mature, man. We look good. <laughs> and, and one thing before we get started, I because I I told you I wouldn't go really off script, but I gotta ask about this. What's with the Ravens robe? Well, you know, Miles <sighs> Boykins actually had like a he had a video of him wearing one, and I was like, you know, I support the Ravens. You know, Ronnie's playing for them, and you know, Lamar. I like Lamar a lot, so. I, I hit up Miles like, yo, what I got to do to get one of those to fly? And then, you know, obviously when you're comfortable in quarantine, at least you can rock with one of your teams you support. And going to Notre Dame, everybody's playing a, li- a little bit everywhere so I can get a chance to get on different teams and stuff. So Yeah, that's what that's what this love. is for right here. That's what that's for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bake Man is a good dude too. <laughs> I always call the Baltimore Ravens the, uh, the ex-Browns. Given the history the ex- between oh, yeah. the two organizations, seriously, so, right? Yeah, but and, been, and J.K. Mean, Dobbins. The more they've been winning, the more they've been winning, the better it's been. Like you know, making established for where they at. Yeah, I'm excited for that rivalry. But yeah, J.K. Dobbins is a, is a Raven now from my school, Ohio State. So can't really hate on him too much anymore. So so I'm gonna get started in, into talking with you because there's there's a lot I want to get to here, a lot of good stuff uh, that I want the audience to hear. Let's start at the beginning, before Notre Dame, before the CBS analyst career, before overtime. You went to Archbishop. Alter High School in Kettering, Ohio, which is about a stone's throw from here. Um, the school website describes Alter as, quote, a community that is founded in faith, preserved with pride, and sustained by spirit, end quote. In what ways did that experience and your experience there and the focus on faith influence you during your school day? It just gives you a bigger purpose. You know, when you have a foundation of a spiritual value in some sense, you get a chance to feel grounded and know that when you're working, there's a bigger there's a bigger reward and you're doing it for a bigger reason. So having a good foundation like that, going through altar, it gave me the confidence to continue my process and focus on the right things to make it happen. Faith, we talked about uh, in the third episode of the show, we talked with uh, St. Ignatius coach Mike McLaughlin and Luciana Pakota of the soccer team that theology, and we'll get to this in a second, but theology, it, it set their apartment, uh, they set their program apart both in the classroom and on the field. And we'll talk to that a little bit here. How did faith and the Catholic teachings of the school influence you as an athlete on the football field? Well, you know, I think it just shows you as a sense of community and it gives you like a code of conduct. You know, I think if anything, you have a general sense of a code of conduct of one belief in the same thing and how it resonates with everybody in their spirit. It really gives you a sense of home where, you know, it's a respect level. So that respect level that you have, you can communicate that in and outside of the church and on the field or off the field or wherever the case. 
you know, that code of conduct of respect is, is, is mutual. And, you know, it really makes it good. It feels good when you guys believe in the same thing. And that, that kind of adds, I would think at least I haven't, uh, I didn't go to a Catholic school. I didn't play much, much sports in high school aside from track and field, but I feel like that would help with the family aspect. You know, a lot of football programs, one of the big things they preach is family and, and sports in general, basketball, baseball, whatever you're talking about. But I would assume the shared faith of your guy, of you guys at, uh, at altar really helped you guys come together more and, and gave you something to have as a common ground. Exactly. Especially when you can buy into the same thing, you know, it's all, I think structurally, it makes sense when you're dealing with a football team of so many different people buying into something that, you know, is a constant can always hold you together, especially when you go through the ups and downs of a season or, you know, different people interacting with the team. So for us, it was a common space and, you know, we found strength from that and it, and it, and it helped us prevail in a lot of situations. And speaking of prevailing, one of the ways you got ahead um, of the pack, if you will, is through the elite 11 program. Um, tell me a little bit about what that is and how that helped you get into a spot where you could look for, you know, you could look for a spot at the college level to play football. The elite 11 was great because it was a great measurement stick, you know, trying to define what it was to get to, to be one and considered the best in the country because it was, it's all the best in one camp, you know, high school is a thousand of quarterbacks out there. But in my belief, if I was able to find that route, I would be amongst people that are at the places that I want to go. So I was fortunate enough to work hard enough and find the right camps and and took advantage of the right opportunities in those camps to get to the Elite 11. And it turned out that, you know, me being in that space, I got to see the competition that we seen today, like Jared Goff, you know. So, you know, it, it was a great measurement stick, not only then, but still to this day. There's a guy... um at Ohio State, I don't. I obviously don't play football. I was never good enough for that ever. Um, but whenever we will play pickup uh, football outside Lincoln and Moral Tower, and the quarterback we play with is an Elite Eleven guy who's who's gotten to that program and is looking to walk on next year. So I definitely I've seen the level of talent firsthand that it takes to be one of those Elite Eleven guys. So it, it's it's definitely um, not something to to take lightly that you were a part of that. Is that Right about the time that you looked into Elite Eleven, is that the time you started to realize, um, maybe not not necessarily your talent on the football field? I think that was pretty obvious uh, at the early ages, but is that when you realized or your your inspiration for wanting to play football at the next level? Yeah, I mean, it was always meant to like go to the NFL, was like and be like a top quarterback, like be one of the best left handers. That was my thing going in as motivation. And then, you know, what ended up happening was through wanting to reach so high, you had to go through those levels of Elite 11 and it motivated me, you know, and I was able to make the right moves. And the best thing about it was that uh, getting a chance to prove yourself right is what it's all about, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody, um, everybody you see in the NFL and, and in college football even has had to go through hours and hours of work just to even get a shot to get to that level. So I, I, I definitely feel that. What different factors did you look at when choosing a college to further your academic and athletic career? I was never an athlete going into college. That was something I never had to worry about. My brother's getting recruited for cross country. It's something he has to deal with. But, you know, at, at least from my perspective, it's looking at program. It's looking at extracurriculars. It's looking at where I'm going to get an opportunity, uh, the best opportunity, the soonest. 
And with athletics, it's even more because you got to love the coach. You got to love the program. You got to love the workouts. You got to be friends with the team. You got to see a spot for success there. What kind of came out as the front runners and things you looked for? And how did you go through the process of selecting a college? Well, you know, it's, it was like at the time it was Notre Dame was on my high list because they were contending for a national championship. And I liked the style of what they was doing on offense. And I felt like it would be the right fit. And that's kind of like the, the at that point was the pinnacle of college football quarterbacking was to be a Notre Dame quarterback. So, you know, it was something that I wanted to achieve. And, you know, being a part of that program, it it was definitely a, a great experience and it was life changing. Still is, if you ask me, being a Notre Dame quarterback is still the pinnacle. But, you know, it's not not everybody shares the sentiment. I am. I still go to I go to Ohio State, but I am still a Notre Dame fan through and through. I bleed. Um, navy and gold as much as i do scarlet and gray uh, <laughs> <laughs> and i mean you know that of course um at the end of the college hunt though and you talked about this a little bit with with the program that notre dame had notre dame stood out among the pack i know ohio state was on your list several other big football schools why did you end up choosing notre dame a lot of it was just because of you know i, I wanted to be at that top level and playing all around the country to get a taste of a little bit of everybody i felt like if you can win a national championship there you can really you know write your own ticket for whatever you want so um you know Ohio state quarterback obviously growing up that's what everybody wanted to be and following braxton miller real closely I love what he was doing there, but, you know, I just wanted to take my own route at Notre Dame. Uh, in my family, we call Notre Dame the promised land of biblical reference to um, <laughs> the promised land of the Israelites. And it sounds like, and, and this is this is even better because it fits the spiritual metaphor, that God's plan for you, God's path cut right through the promised land. It was It's perfect. It's a perfect <laughs> metaphor here. I love it. <laughs> you enrolled at Notre Dame in 2013 as a film and television major. Some would call that foreshadowing for your eventual career in broadcast. I'm one of them. What prompted you to choose that major? Well, you know, um, being a quarterback, I felt like, you know, you had to be right in interviews and knowing about TV and going into understanding how it works. I felt like it was important to kind of be synonymous for what I wanted to do after school, you know, so it made sense in the short term and ended up working out a long term so far. And that's something that you see. Even today, you know, the best quarterbacks are not necessarily the ones who are only good on the field, but you've got to be just as good as off because the media, you have a target on your back, whether it's after practice, whether it's after a loss, whatever the case, the media is always looking at you for something, whether it's good or bad. Mm -hmm. And I, and I'm really glad you brought that up because that is something that I've, that I've thought for a while of the importance of understanding how to talk to the media, how to speak with class and understand what's going to happen as soon as you step in front of those microphones and the cameras. So I'm, I'm really glad that you talked about that. I, I also looked at the film and television major at Notre Dame. It, it was a, uh, it was a good school. Was, I was afraid I was, I wasn't going to get in, but I, I kind of wish I would have applied to Notre Dame just to see, but at the very least we always, whenever we visit there, um, we have mass at the Basilica. So at the very oh, least, yeah. you, you know, you got another mass there. I, I love it there. Oh, that, it's, it's something different, you know. Yeah, the Catholic community different. there is just there, there's something about it. Seeing the seeing the students together holding hands in the pews and you know, you, you feel spiritual and then obviously going to the grotto afterwards, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's one of a kind. And that's the the few things that you don't get at every university, things that are that 
uh, unique in that aspect. Yeah, and Notre Dame is definitely set apart from a lot of the Catholic universities. Getting back on track, though, of course, football was a lot of your reason attending Notre Dame. Of course, it was as as much as academics almost. And for the Irish, you were coached by Brian Kelly, a guy that I've met, a guy who's a lot shorter in person than you th- than he looks on TV. Um, what lessons did he share with you and your team that still stick with you today? <laughs> uh, Coach Kelly is a, a a great person to talk to when it comes to how to how to be great in front of the cameras and the media and to respond and keep things in-house. So if anything, he always talks about, speak about yourself first. And, uh, you know, it resonates when you are able to speak about yourself. You can really stay on track with how it aligns with the team. Yeah, absolutely. We I was six foot in middle school the last time I went to a Notre Dame football camp, uh, which, is, which is when I later on met you. And I remember going up because every camper got a picture with him. And I remember going up to him and he went up to my shoulder and I looked down and I was like, I did not realize you were that, you were that tall. Hey, yeah. <laughs> he was, packs a punch. I tell you that. Oh yeah. Oh no. He's, he's definitely intimidating whatever size he was. It was just, it was, that's something that I'll always remember about that trip. I'd imagine though, that playing football at Notre Dame was similar to playing at Alter because of the faith aspect that followed you onto the field. In what ways was theology and that focus on faith prevalent during your practices and game days at Notre Dame? Uh, I think it just goes back to, um, you know, the buying into the system and, you know, just seeing it on a bigger scale and how it is a very strong community and, and ideology and faith and spirituality. And so that code of conduct is just carried out through a, a bigger and larger community that, you know, like I said, when you're a part of something like that, it makes it easier to be able to communicate when you're all um, on the same opinions of things. Yeah. And. It's some, again, we talked about it at the top of the show was the, the unified Catholic faith helps grow as the family. And that's something even having only met Notre Dame or Brian Kelly once watching Notre Dame football, you can see how much of a brotherhood it is, especially um, with Notre Dame, our mother at the end of it, just watching those games, watching everybody with their hands around each other. That It's something special. And you can tell that, you know, every every football team, you got to believe preaches family and stuff like that watching Notre Dame you think okay there's something different about this and it's I I would I would be remiss if I didn't say that I thought it was the Catholic tie-in and everything you're saying helps prove that one thing I've witnessed during my multiple visits to Notre Dame is the connection students have with each other through due to their faith I mean I talked about the scene at the Basilica with Everybody welcoming each other into their pews, whether they know each other or not. You're, you know, your your brothers and sisters in the faith. How did living at Notre Dame grow you as a Catholic? Uh, I think just being at Notre Dame, especially the way it's structured, where you have like the 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 guy and girl dorms, you get more of a, a family feel aside from like a, a sorority or fraternity because the the way they're set up is like summer camp, you know, band camp. So you get a chance to really get engaged and learn about your roommate and have choir mates and have different functions just specific to your dorm. And then on top of that, being able to have a place to meet, to do different activities just on an everyday level and with that stress and everything that goes on with just being a student a Notre Dame student athlete you get a chance to really 
stay grounded with guys that are really cool and you get to really learn from that live with you amongst you every day. Were you were you in a dorm at Notre Dame or did they have you somewhere else with athlete housing? I lived in the dorm. I loved living in the dorm. Sick free ramblers all day, every day. Uh, we had a great setup. Even my teammate, and, uh, both of my teammates, Elijah Shoemate and James Anawalu. I mean, we stayed in the dorms up until like our senior year. I remember Keeley House. Was that one of them? I, I remember that. that I, was I think it's Keenan. I think you think about Keenan. That's right. That's it. That's it. I, I got half the word right. I got half it right. But oh, yeah. it has been a while. But yeah, I that's that's something that once again another instance of of Notre Dame where the Catholic faith ties the students together is is that dorm thing. I remember um, they have chapels in some of the dorms, don't they? Yeah, there's chapels at the bottom of each dorm, and you know they have a couple masses, some night masses, and some just gathering places for guys to go to. I mean, it's very resourceful, but right? you know it just sticks to like what the bigger scheme and the bigger picture of what Notre Dame embodies. You know. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be hard not to grow in your faith going to Notre Dame, and it sounds like you definitely did. After three years of quarterbacking the Irish on the gridiron, you made the decision to enter the transfer portal, a decision which led you to Florida and the Gators. What prompted your choice to seek greener grass? Uh, it wasn't so much like what prompted it. I think, if anything, it was just my second chance at, at recruitment. You know, I uh, not too many people get to go through recruitment twice, so that was actually pretty cool. And then uh, on top of that, I had graduated, so... You know, I felt like I've, I've done my, my time there and, and, and gotten a lot from it. And, you know, getting a chance to see something else is uh, something that you don't really get to do too often. I remember we put on Florida games just to see you. We were Notre Dame fans, not really anything else. But every time Florida came on, we're like, oh, turn on the Florida game. Malik's on. Malik's on. Malik's playing. <laughs> yeah. That was something I remember. You were number 11, if I remember right. Right. Eight for no, the Irish. Was, Eleven. Oh, no. I uh, <laughs> I was actually number eight. Oh, you kept the eight. OK. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I forgot. See, this Eleven was last stuff. year with Kyle Trask. That's my guy. You know, Kyle's going to do great. Uh, I hope he gets drafted, man, uh, pretty high because uh, when I was there with him, he had a he had a great career. He's he's high on some of the draft boards I've looked at. So he. he'll definitely make it to the NFL. I'm sure of that whether his whatever his placing is remains to be seen, but definitely a talented guy. This was an instance where my memory failed me. I could have sworn you changed the numbers, but <laughs> I know you love that number eight, so it, it doesn't really surprise me that you kept it. Yes, sir. During this time in Florida, you began your broadcasting career. You said you graduated from Notre Dame. You have the film and television degree. This is where it came into fruition and actually turned into a position. You were able to use your experience on the football field to help you as a personality for the sports media organization over time. It's something that uh, a lot of the the kids my age know about some of the some of the older millennials know about over time it's because it's big on social media uh we see it all the time the the ball brothers uh lamello lonzo d'angelo were all on there or leangelo what led you to take that position with overtime and what did you enjoy most about the hands-on way the media network used your skills competing against people you were interviewing we'll talk about a couple of those in a second uh it was just it was, it was a how you explain it <laughs> I think what you can say about it, because it never existed before, that it was something that was so personalized for me. I think it just made sense at the time. You know, I'm thinking I'm going into the league. I'm trying to train and get ready for the draft. And this opportunity comes along where it's still football in the essence, but it just marries up to what I've also been doing in film and television. And so um, it was almost like more perfect for me than what the league had for me. And it. I mean, you know, it's just one of those opportunities that come along and you just take advantage of it, honestly. And what I mean when I say hands on 
uh, you were hands-on at overtime is specifically referencing the Protect Your Turf segment in which, um, I'll let you tell this because I, I really hope I don't have the full story here and I really hope this headline doesn't speak for itself, but you let a 12-year-old beat you? <laughs> See, you know, but that when it gets into entertainment, it still is entertainment, you know, but. Oh, no, it's definitely entertaining. I'm just wondering <laughs> how how you let that oh, happen. Man. Well, actually, you know, what I've learned in doing Protect Your Turf is that these younger kids are way more dedicated and they're training at a, a lot younger age and taking it way more serious. And, you know, these kids are talented. And this particular kid, Bunchy, Bunchy Young, he's like one of the phenoms as a 12, 13-year-old, you know, competing against him one-on-one. -on -one, and it was just a cool experience because, you know, he's he's charged up, ready to go, but he's actually good. So, you know, we obviously have to do some, some uh, smoke and mirrors, but it was still a really good production for it. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you a pass then uh, for the entertainment value. Give you a pass on that <laughs> one. Although if you're ever faced with the chance again, I want you to absolutely destroy the kid, okay? <laughs> Towards the end of your career with Overtime, you began working for Sirius XM. As a film and television major at Notre Dame, what made you want to join the radio business? Well, you know, I think it's just, it helped with, um, just for me working in, uh, at Overtime, being on camera. Radio wasn't too far off because at the time I wanted to do podcasting too. So uh, the radio opportunity that came up and it was a, a chance to start working on that to segue into, you know, my own podcast or something. Is that still a dream you have today? Uh, hosting your own podcast at one point? Yeah. So I do have my own podcast that, you know, I'm working on fixing some of the, uh, I want to rewrite the show, but it's on Believe Network. It's the Lucky Lefty podcast. Um you know, I'm still making it big, but I got some good episodes on there. I'll tell you what, we're eight weeks into this show. Um, the following is minimal, although we do get, you know, uh, we get a lot of people who, who listen to this more or less. Send me all that information when we're, when we're done with the recording and I'll tag that in the description. I'll put that out um, to everybody who listens here because I definitely know you've got a lot of experience that. You know, put a mic in front of you. You could go for hours, I'm sure, with, with without losing <laughs> anybody's attention just with all the entertaining stories. So uh, send me all that information. I'll tag that in the description of the YouTube video here. And um, I'll tag it in the Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio uh, SoundCloud page for this episode. We'll, we'll see. We'll do, man. That's, that's that. definitely a lot of love, man. I'll definitely be promoting your stuff as well, man. Absolutely. I appreciate it. So. After the after the radio, after the stint with Sirius XM, you made your return to television broadcasting. It's in your current position now as an analyst for CBS Sports. You've been with CBS for two seasons, and in that time, you've been able to witness some tremendous sports moments. And be before I ask the question, I got to say, Greg Olson used to be um, my favorite player turned analyst until really? two years ago. But <laughs> <laughs> obviously, you started your career, so I should say that. Um, but what are some of your favorite moments that you've gotten to call during your young career? I just think uh, one of my favorite moments is just being in the, in the Philadelphia Eagles stadium, like where uh, Troy Aikman and and, and, uh, and Troy Aikman does his work on Sunday football. And just seeing how uh, I was, I played on that field before. And then I was, I'm in the booth on that field. So that's probably one of the cooler moments I've had so far. And then just being able to talk about the game on TV as, as opposed to from my couch uh, makes it a lot more cool too. In, in a literal sense, you went from pads to the press box in that stadium. <laughs> the, the last thing I'll, I'll leave you with this. You have, you have so much life experience on the field, off the field, you know, faith-based um, socially, 
what advice would you give to athletes who may be considering a career in broadcasting after sports, but maybe don't know how to get that started? What would you tell them to do? Honestly, I would just say networking is the most important thing because just like sports, there's a lot that you really can't control when it comes to entertainment or sports. But the best thing you can do to put yourself in the best position is to find the right people to connect with and have genuine relationships. You know, your conversation should be 90% based on everything else, but talking about what you really want to do. I just think it's important to have genuine relationships if it, if it requires you and getting anywhere in entertainment and athletics. Well, I enjoyed getting to catch up with our genuine relationship because it has been a while. I enjoyed getting to check in on you. Thanks so much for coming on here. Look forward to staying in contact with you. And then as soon as football season rolls around, you bet I'm tuning into CBS. I'm going to have my eyes on you, okay? Yeah, you got to. Show up. Continue to to show up, man. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Also, we'll show some love to the Lucky Lefty podcast, of course. Uh, We'll tag that in the description. If you like Hang On Soupy, I'm sure you'll love uh, the Lucky Lefty Sports Podcast. So we'll tag that in the bottom. Make sure to drop the drop a follow, like it, whatever whatever it is. Uh, circle, square, tap dance all over it. Show Lucky Lefty some love here. Um, as always, you can catch the podcast form of Hang On Soupy on Wednesdays. The video of the episode releases on Fridays on Instagram, TV, and YouTube. The podcast can be found at scarletandgraysportsradio.com, SGSR's website, and the SGSR SoundCloud page. Once again, Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio. Thank you to Malik Zaire, Lucky Lefty, once again for coming on to the show. I'll see you next week. I'm Caleb Spinner. But until then, that's the show. I'm out of here. <laughs>